to the StockFan Investor Education Podcast. Whether you're a seasoned investor or one of the millions of people entering the market for the first time, StockFan provides the fundamentals to help you grow your wealth. This is a podcast for investors. We give quality companies the chance to tell their stories while providing you with the tools to invest wisely. If you want to get out in front of the herd instead of being a part of it, join us at StockFan. You have all been there before. Holding tightly onto your shares as one of your holdings reaches new daily highs, powered by one great news release after another. Then, out of seemingly nowhere, a private placement is announced and the stock price barely moves, or worse, drops considerably. As you watch the upward momentum disintegrate, you look on enviously as others get to purchase shares privately at a lower price, with those juicy warrants thrown in. Was it necessary? Will it help the company or hurt it? Are your shares worth the same now? Can you participate the next time? All of these questions will be answered in this episode of the StockFan Podcast, where we will clearly define what private placements are, the accreditation required to participate, and explore the pros and cons of private placements for both companies and investors. In addition, this episode will address why dilution and short selling are potential factors to consider when private placements take place. Before diving into the impact that private placements have on your favorite stock holdings, it is important to understand exactly what they are and what basic purpose they serve. A private placement is essentially a non-public offering sold to individual and institutional investors. Since these offerings do not take place in the public market, they are not subject to many Securities Commission regulations, but public companies are required to report them to their investor base and ultimately exchange approval is required. The two basic types of placements are debt offerings and equity offerings. Debt offerings essentially give investors interest-bearing vehicles like bonds or other debt instruments with a promise of a full return on their money plus the interest accrued. While this type of offering is also common, we will focus more closely on the other type, the equity offering. Private placement equity offerings are essentially the selling of new shares of a company outside of the public market at an established price. In Canadian markets, private placements can be priced up to a 15-25% to discount to the current listing price depending on a few different factors, including the stock price itself. For example, our fictitious company, Hammy Enterprises, is trading at $1 and is establishing a price for its private placement equity offering. It can set the price up to 20% below its VWAP, or Volume Weighted Average Price. Let's assume the VWAP equals the current price of $1. Hammy Enterprises can set its private equity offering price as low as $0.80, cents or 20% below the current price. So why would companies do that? The truth is that not all companies set their price at the bottom of the allowable range, but for those that do, the strategy is to make the equity financing more attractive for investors to buy a large amount of shares. The good deal that institutional or wealthy individual investors are given could pave the way for a stronger investor base and greater participation in future offerings. 
Institutional investors often prefer private offerings because it allows them to buy large quantities without pushing up the price of the stock. Added to that is the further bonus of warrants that are often part of the offering. Quite simply, warrants are options to buy shares of a stock at a certain price. They are not binding in that the investor is not required to purchase the warrants and in fact may let them expire with no penalty. Here is an example. Hammy Enterprises offer you 100,000 shares at the price of 80 cents. It also includes a full warrant at $1 expiring in 18 months. This means that you have the option to purchase another 100,000 shares at $1, but it isn't mandatory. Therefore, if Hammy Enterprises has a successful year and the stock price rises to $2, you might want to exercise your options, which means that you purchased 100,000 shares for $1 each, after which they are immediately valued at $2, each for a total profit of $100,000. You could sell them today or keep them and wait for future price appreciation. In another scenario, the market goes through a recession and Hammy Enterprises stock falls to 60 cents. The recession lasts 18 months and the stock never reaches $1 in that time. Obviously, you aren't going to buy your 100,000 shares for $1 each, so you let the warrants expire. You didn't win, but you didn't lose either at least not on the warrants. It should be noted that half warrants are sometimes offered, meaning that you'd receive one warrant for every two purchased shares. The warrant price is always set above the equity offering price. What are the pros and cons of private placements for companies and investors? For most companies, private placements are essential, providing the capital necessary to grow their business. Most microcap companies are not profitable for many years. Amazon famously reported their first profit in 2004, 10 years after opening their original book selling business. It is very important to understand that it is perfectly reasonable for companies to take several years to reach profitability as long as investors can see consistent growth in their business and eventually in their revenues. The capital raised from private placements allows businesses to pay their employees, scale their business organically, acquire another business, or focus more intently on research and development. As an investor, watch carefully when companies put out their quarterly and yearly financials as it shows you how investment dollars are being spent. Companies do run into trouble when they raise money and then fail to execute on their business plan potentially leading to round after round of equity financing. Eventually, investors lose patience and no longer see the vision for the company. In addition, as a company raises equity, it gives out more and more shares, diluting the value of the stock. As a warning, if you find a company with, let's say, 600 million shares outstanding and a stock price of 15 cents, this is a warning sign of a company that has raised capital several times and likely has not done anything significant with it. It's a clear red flag. Should dilution worry you? When more shares are added to the float of a stock, some investors feel shortchanged, but that view is actually quite narrow. The equity raised in a private placement is added to the value of the business and as long as the company uses it wisely, 
the value to shareholders can far outweigh any dilution that occurs. It is always best to remember that microcap companies need to raise money. It is the lifeblood of a young public business. Are you eligible to participate in a private placement? The truth is that most retail investors don't qualify for private placements as only accredited individuals are permitted. To become accredited you would need to check one of the following boxes. 1. A net income pre-taxed exceeding 200000 in each of the last two years. Number 2. A combined net income pre-taxed with spouse exceeding $300,000 the last two years. 3. Net worth exceeding $5 million minus liabilities with spouse. 4. Net worth and only financial assets not including your home exceeding $1 million with spouse. For most retail investors, especially younger ones, aggradation just isn't an option and although that may sound disappointing, the rules were put in place to protect smaller, less experienced investors from being lured into unscrupulous placements. However, there is one exemption that allows non-accredited investors to participate in private equity offerings. It is essentially a friends and family exemption in which the investor knows the issuer personally and is therefore thought to be fully aware of the risks associated with the investment. Whether you participate in private placements or not, it is important to recognize the games that are played in the public equity markets. Like it or not, brokerage houses play a massive part in the junior markets. There are dozens of broker firms in Canada, both large and small. Companies wishing to raise money will often hire a broker to act as a middleman securing capital through its network of clients. This is called a brokered financing. Brokers typically earn 6-10% commission on private placement deals. Sometimes brokers purchase the entire amount of shares themselves and then reserve the right to keep them or to sell them to clients. This is called a bought deal offering. Some businesses raise money through their own investor networks which are called non-brokered financings and save the company from paying the broker fees. The games that are played often come even before a private placement is arranged. Highly liquid stocks, those that trade with high volumes, typically attract a handful of hedge funds that start to short the stock. Shorting is essentially borrowing shares of the stock, selling them, and then rebuying them at a lower price to return to the lender, therefore making a profit. Some of these funds short a particular stock repeatedly and with massive amounts of borrowed shares, causing the stock price to drop, often dramatically. Sometimes they will hire a marketing firm to write a negative article in the company, a short attack piece, to scare the retail investors away. Once the price has fallen to the preferred level, the funds reach out to a broker to arrange a private placement with the company. By filling up with shares in the private placement, the hedge fund covers the shares it borrowed when it began shorting. In Canada, domestic companies are required to file their short positions, but experienced hedge funds get around this regulation by establishing a SPV, or Special Purpose Vehicle, based offshore in places like the Caymans or Bermuda. 
In most cases, once the financing is closed, the shorting stops and the stock continues its regular day-to-day -day movement. But in extreme cases, it goes much further. Some hedge funds have earned a reputation for aggressive tactics that have virtually buried companies through a vicious cycle of shorting and capital raising. Some companies go as far as to file a lawsuit against hedge funds for what they deem to be unscrupulous tactics using false information. But just as short sellers can benefit from pushing the herd off a proverbial cliff, they can also be trampled by it. Take the infamous meme stock movement, which elevated unfashionable stocks like GameStop and AMC Entertainment to dizzying heights while crushing more than one major American hedge fund. This is referred to as a short squeeze, in which there is so much buying that the short sellers have no choice but to buy the stock to cover their borrowed shares. This is what makes shorting so dangerous. Imagine having 100,000 shares you've borrowed to short against a stock trading at $3. You sell your shares in anticipation of the stock dropping further, but a short squeeze takes place the next day after the company releases major positive news. You try to buy to cover yourself, but you can't fill your bid until the stock has finished its lightning fast run to $6. You now must buy the shares at double the price you sold them for, and if you don't have enough cash in your account to cover these losses, your broker will start liquidating all your other assets to pay it off. This is essentially what happened to the initial hedge funds that were caught by the meme stock movement. So that's all a bit scary. Should you be shorting stocks or participating in private placements at all? Those are two very different questions. Short selling is a dangerous practice that is best left for more experienced individuals or institutional investors. Many people have ethical issues with shorting, especially when there may be no legitimate reason to be betting against a company except to take advantage of them for financial gain. Private placements are another story altogether as they do represent an opportunity to purchase shares below market value. They can be excellent wealth building vehicles, but remember to have your checklist ready before you participate. Number one, what reasons does the company give for raising capital? Does it sound like they're growing the business? Number two, has the company raised funds in the last few years? Were those funds allocated wisely to propel growth? Three, do the shares come with a full or half warrant? Four, Note that most financings come with a four-month-plus one-day holding period, but some allow immediate free trading, which could cause the price to fall after closing. Always find out when past warrants are soon to expire because it may alert you to a selling period on the stock. And number five, has the price risen dramatically lately in a very hot market? In this case, the shares may or may not be overvalued. Private placement offerings are a vital component of capital markets. They provide a conduit for investors to participate in companies and give businesses the liquidity they need to develop and grow. Just be sure to always know what you own before entering into any equity financing and always remember that you are buying the company, not the stock. We hope you enjoyed this content. To hear more educational content as well as our other CEO interviews, 
please subscribe to the podcast and visit our website at stockfamgroup.com where you will gain full access to all of our free educational platforms. Also, to view the video versions of much of our content, follow us on YouTube at StockFamTV.